Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Well, hey, Liverpool One Church, why don't you guys go ahead and take your seats? It's incredible to have everyone here joining us in church today and Whether church is what you decide to do at the weekend, typically or not, we want to let you know if it's your first time in church, like, you're so welcome here. We've been building this thing for you. We're so glad that you've taken an invite. Maybe it was on the back of a promise of a date or a meal out or something, but for whatever the reason, you're here today. And we want to let you know that you are so welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And our whole aim is to make sure you have a great time in church today. And let's also welcome everyone joining us online. We love our online community and we really hope that one day you guys can also come join us in the room real soon because we would love to meet you and say hi. You know, you've all picked a great Sunday to come to church today. And that's not because the sun's shining and we've had a great weekend and the the sun's been out and everyone's had barbecues, but we're at the beginning of a brand new series in church today. And this is going to be a really great series. It, It really is. And It's a series called How to Sabotage Your Life. I mean, doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that sound exciting? Let's all learn how to sabotage our life. But you know, in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to flip the advice. We're going to turn the script on its head and we're going to give you some bad advice. Some advice that you wouldn't normally hear us talk about from the platform in church. We're going to tell you how to do things the wrong way. And then we're going to compare that to what the Bible says about the right way that we ought to do some things. We're going to give you the opposite advice. But I don't think that we ever ought to dive into a church service or dive into a new series or dive into anything in church without first involving our maker and creator and asking him to make everything real to our hearts, apply everything to our lives help me to communicate properly what I need to help you guys with, what I, the, 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 all the work that I've put in. I need to be able to communicate that properly. And I don't think that happens unless we first pray. So let me just pray. Heavenly Father, today, God, we elevate the name of your Son. We elevate the name of Jesus because it's at his knee. Everything bows, God. It's at his knee that everything breaks. Nothing changes in this room, God, unless you're here. Nothing changes unless you help me communicate my words effectively. Let me just get out the way. God, help me to just move aside and let you be you. You show up in a glorious way today, God. We invite you into the room. We invite you to speak to our hearts because none of us want to leave today feeling any more far away from you. We want to get close to you. We want to hear what you're whispering. We want to hear the still small voice of Jesus whispering to our hearts. And every single one of us said, amen. You know, anyone who's heard me speak in church before on a number of occasions, um, you will be well aware that I have a very, very long list of allergies. Like, I am allergic to practically the air which we breathe. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely crazy. It's specifically my skin. My skin, I I seem to react to things, and I don't even know why. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It just, like, it breaks out, and I I absolutely have no idea why or how that happens sometimes. 
Um, and I also have um, been diagnosed like when I was a baby and I've had eczema all of my life. And I know what you're thinking. I, I really am quite a catch. Yeah, I can exactly see why Vicky fell in love and married me. Um, but it, like, there's hardly anything that I find that I'm not allergic to. And um, all the way back in lockdown in 2020, my wife, Vicky, and I, we watched a program on Netflix, which was called The Game Changers. And some of you might be aware of it. And it was all about becoming a vegan. And it was all about how healthy it was and all the benefits that there were to your blood flow. And it made your brain healthier and all these things. And it just told us all this positive stuff about becoming a vegan. So I was like, hey, look, we ain't going anywhere anytime soon. We're in the house as everybody else in the country is in their house. Should we just give this a go? Should we like, should we just ditch all of the animal products and all of the foods and all of the stuff? Should we like just go hard left turn and should we just full on go vegan for like a month? Because they said, if you do it for a month, you're going to see some marked differences in your life. So I was like, why don't we give it a go? We've got nothing else to do. So we're like, okay. And we went hard. Like we literally turned the ship on its side and we went straight into full on vegan. Well, Two weeks in to the four-week trial, my skin was completely and utterly clear. I said to her, I said, this is crazy. I said, like, I'm not reacting to stuff. I'm not, I'm not, I'm touching whatever I want. And I said, this is something that I'm eating 100%. We get to the end of the four weeks and I was like, this is insane. This is like the best thing ever. It's like a miracle cure. They weren't just saying it was right about you being healthy. Like, they've healed me. This is brilliant. So I was dead excited. So then I started to like add food back into my diet until the one day when I added dairy products back in. And out of nowhere, like this horrible rash and like all this stuff, I suffered for like a week with this, the, the pain, it was just awful. Get out of lockdown and I end up going for some allergy testing. And it turns out that I now have a diagnosed cow's milk protein allergy to go with my long list, to go with my grass and my dust and my hay fever and all the other stuff. So a, a cow's milk protein allergy. But So these days now, I steer clear of everything that's got dairy in because I know what it does to me. I know the pain it causes me. And I think to myself, like, I went through 40 years with a full-on eczema diagnosis, getting all the treatments and all of the cures and all of the bath emollients and all of the creams and all the stuff for an eczema diagnosis, which was actually me filling myself full of butter, cheese, yogurt, milk, you name it. I was like, oh, give me, give me all the food. And I never, ever knew. I literally never knew for my whole life. So obviously now, I stay clear of all things dairy because I know that the problems that it causes me. But I don't ever remember having to do that before. There was never a position in my life where I sat down to a meal and thought, oh man, this is going to cause me some problems tomorrow. Like, I never went into a meal thinking those kind of thoughts. But I don't think any of us ever would. I don't think we would knowingly sit down or knowingly make a decision that wasn't going to work out well for us. It's just, it's just something that we wouldn't do. I guess that's the same for us all, really. No one would get up in the morning planning on ruining their life that day. No one would get married planning on having a divorce. Like, no one would get, uh, start a business and, and start a whole business venture planning on going bust. Like, you wouldn't have children expecting to live a separate life from them. You wouldn't start a friendship expecting that one day there was going to be a huge relational breakdown and a, and, a, and a terrible parting of ways. You wouldn't do that. No one starts anything expecting to fail. But sometimes, over time, 
if we're not careful, our decisions, even though they might be small, will lead us down pathways and take our lives to places where we never intended it to be. And sometimes it's not the big issues. It's, it's not like the huge things where we go, oh my goodness, like I would never do that. I mean, are you joking? That's crazy. I'd never, I'd never do that. It, it, sometimes it's not the big things. It's the small things. Often it's the little things. And heading down those wrong paths might be so much easier if you just knew what to look for. So today, I want to start this new series, How to Sabotage Your Life, by talking about your family. How to fail your family. How to completely and utterly screw up and blow up your family. I think that's a good way to put it. Because the reality is, is that no one starts a relationship expecting it to fail. No one ever has a family expecting that one day you're all just going to go your own separate ways and everything's going to fall apart. No one expects that, in the words of the great philosophers, the righteous brothers, that that loving feeling will be gone, 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 whoa, 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 enough of that. But like, no one expects that. So you don't have children expecting that they're going to go off the rails. You don't start a family expecting that one day they're just going to go crazy and like go and do some awful thing. I would guess that every one of us would know someone or say that you are someone or have heard of someone who had their family sabotaged. You might sit here today and say, well, I'm an example of that. Like, my family got totally sabotaged, and, and I never saw it coming. So today I want to talk about three main topics. I want to talk about marriage. I want to talk about our children. And I want to talk about you and some of the decisions that you make that can actually end you up in some of these places. And today, this actually is a really practical message. This is like really hands-on. You can do some of this stuff. And I'm going to give you examples of some of the things that you can do if you want to sabotage your life and fail your family. What a great day to come to church, eh? Like who's, who's excited to get negged out for the next 25 minutes? But I bet you're like, if you're sitting there and you like, someone brought you to church and you're here for the very first time, you're sitting there like, are you kidding me? Like, this guy, are you kidding? Like, what on earth? We are going to get somewhere with this, though, I promise. It's going to be somewhere great, so bear with me. Okay, so number one, if you want to fail your life and sabotage your, sabotage your life and fail your family, number one, neglect your marriage. Number one, the best thing you can do if you want to ruin your family life and blow that whole thing up is to neglect your marriage. Just go and give your best to something else. Go, go and find something else. Go and get a hobby Go and get a job away. Go and go and like make it all about social media. Make it all about the kids. Make, just find something else to go and do to just go and give all your best energy to. And give her what's left. Give him what's left. Give them the scraps. Do whatever it is you've got to do not to spend time around your husband or around your wife. Just, just make sure at all costs you don't spend time with them. Just don't worry about their emotions. Don't worry about their feelings. Don't worry about what they're going through. Don't ask them any questions about how their day's been. Whatever the cost, spend time somewhere else. Just neglect that thing, ignore that thing, and ignore that person. In other words, just do what you want to do. Just do everything that you want to do. Another thing you can do to neglect your marriage is just completely let yourself go. Just, just utterly let yourself go. Just, just like do whatever you want. Eat whatever you want. Man, that sounds great, doesn't it? Like, just, just, like, just, just neglect your body. Just ignore going to the gym. Don't do anything that's going to make you better. Just properly let yourself go. 
refused to get dressed up, refused to go out for a nice fancy meal on a special occasion. Just, just don't go there. Just don't ever date anymore. Your spouse, I mean, not somebody else. That'll also blow your marriage up in a fairly major way. But like, you should avoid at all costs any relational and sexual intimacy with your wife or your husband. Just don't go there. Literally quit having sex with your spouse. Just don't go there. Get your fill somewhere else. Go and, go and get hooked on pornography. Go and, go and do whatever it is you need to do to get your fill, but just do not go there with your wife. If you want to blow up your marriage, just make a choice to intentionally go down those pathways, and that's what will happen. That will be the end result. As we've already said, some of these things aren't intentional. Sometimes they're unintentional. Sometimes these things, they just happen through a series of decisions. And you know, according to the Journal of Psychology and Christianity, up to 65% of husbands and 55% of wives will have adultery before the age of 40. 65% of husbands and 55% of wives. There's not much of a difference. will commit adultery before the age of 40. You know, whatever you want to do, if you want to sabotage your life and fail your family, do not pursue intimacy with your husband or with your wife. Just like, what's the Bible got to say about this? Proverbs 5, verse 18 and 19. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breasts satisfy you always. Amen. <laughs> may you ever be intoxicated with her love. Now, if you have a hard time understanding what that means, it's luke.bryant at liverpoolonechurch.com. <laughs> Luke would love to get into this stuff with you. He's brilliant at it. He'll like help you, coach you, speak to you. Just email in and, and he will be delighted to come back to that inbox. <laughs> Always be intoxicated with her love. You know what that, in that, in that verse, you know what that word intoxicated means? It means to be ravished. It means to be captivated. It means to be consumed. Is that how you feel about your wife? Is that how you feel about your marriage? Are you ravished? Are you captivated? Are you consumed? Proverbs 5 verse 8 warns us, keep to a path far from her. It's talking about the adulteress. Do not go near the door of her house. Now, for most of the sins and the failures in the Bible, we're told to stand, we're told to fight, we're told to pray, we're told to engage. But sexual sin is the only sin in the whole of the Bible we are told to run from. But like, it's the only sin in the, whole of, in the whole of Scripture where the instruction is to run. Don't try to fight it. Don't try to engage with it. Don't try to wrestle with it. Don't try to push back from it. Get out. Run away. Be somewhere else. Put yourself somewhere else. Get away from that situation and put distance between you and that thing. It's the only occasion in the Bible. Because the thing is, the point at which we fail begins long before the action itself. The failure point is a long way away from the action itself. If you timeline it out, the process looks like this. It comes into our eyes, the Bible says. So what happens is we see it, and then it settles in our minds. We begin to think about it, and then it falls down into our hearts, and out of our hearts come the issues of life. That's what the timeline looks like. If you want to sabotage your life and fail your family, neglect your marriage. 
The second thing we need to do if we want to sabotage our life and fail our family is to let your children lead themselves. Just let your kids lead themselves. Just just allow them to work out their own plans and do whatever they want to do, wherever they want to do it and however they want to do it. Just, Just let them go. Let them have unguarded and unlimited time on all their personal devices. Why not? Everyone else does it. Like, this is, this is truth today. This is like hard-hitting stuff. Everyone's like staring at me. It's very quiet in here. But this is truth. Let them just have all of the unguarded time on their devices. It's just the way life is these days. Everyone else does. Let them decide for themselves whether they're going to come along to church on a Sunday or not. Just let them make their own choices. Focus on you. Lead only you. And just assume that just by them being close to you, that some stuff's going to rub off and they're going to just somehow get a really great work ethic or, you know, they're just going to develop this love for God just just by being close to you. But whatever you do, don't try and lead them. Don't try and guide them. Let them just figure it all out for themselves. It's true. If you want to fail your life and sabotage your life and fail your family, whatever you do, don't lead them intentionally. Don't be intentional about getting into their world and leading them and guiding them. Let them go however they feel. Let them do whatever they want. Just support whatever and do whatever. Just go whatever. Let them go. The Bible's got something to say about this too with our children. Proverbs 22 verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. He, she, they won't depart from it if you've trained them up the way they want to go. Those words train up mean to dedicate. They mean to lead. It's talking about developing and leading them to train them up in the ways of God, to to raise them in the ways according to Scripture. Society says, let them do whatever they want to do. Let them go where they want to go, make the decisions they want to make. Let them do whatever they want to do. Let them choose for themselves. Don't try and confuse them. Don't try and like steer them. But what do you think society's trying to do? It's like steering 101 out there. It's like steering central. They're trying to tell them, they're trying to fill their young brains with thoughts about who they are, who they're not, what they identify as, all the non-scriptural, non-godly, non-biblical advice that society is forcing our children's small brains with And it's telling them to get all confused and what they are and what they're not and who they've got to look like and what they've got to do and how they've got to speak and how they've got to behave. It's crazy what they're trying to fill our children's heads with out there. And here's the danger. If they get involved with all that at such a young age and get confused as to who they are, they could end up dealing with mental issues and depression at such a young age that they may just reach the end of themselves and get all isolated and all depressed and they may just end up taking their own life. And every parent in the world goes, oh God, no. No, no, no. Don't ever let that happen. Don't let that be the case. I think about that for my daughter. It breaks my heart. So what's your choice? What what, what are you going to do? How are you leading your kids? How are you leading them? Like what does society say? It says lead them out of fear. It says, don't get involved. It says, don't steer them. Don't help them. Don't encourage them. Lead them from a place of fear. Fear that they'll end up in depression. Fear that they'll end up hurting. Fear that they'll end up isolated. Fear that you'll confuse them. Fear that they won't fit in. It says, lead them from a place of fear. What does the Bible say? It says, no, don't you dare do that. It says, don't have any fear of the enemy. It says, don't have any fear of the the systems of this world. 
The Bible tells us we are not to fear the systems of this world. It says, have no fear that you'll lead your child into depression. It will not happen. And even some of the things that I'm saying now, people are afraid to say this stuff because the world we live in, you'll get cancelled if you even voice this stuff. and, and And it's so real. But this is so important and there's too much at stake for the church to stay silent on what we ought to do with our children. Because as for me and my household, we're going to save, we're going to praise God, we're going to serve the Lord. The Bible says we should talk to God, we should lean on Him, we should lead according to what He says, we should guide our children and talk to them and love them and be in their world and encourage them in the right way. It says that we're told to let them see what, it's, what it looks like to be a godly man or a godly woman. It says that we're told to show them and demonstrate to them what it means to be married to a godly man or a godly woman. Not perfect, but just someone who's pursuing Jesus and not someone who's pursuing other things. You don't just let them work it out for themselves. Why? Because every one of us needs to be led. Even as adults, we need to be led. Like, why do we think our kids don't? <laughs> even, even, even we need to be taught the right way to live. Kids can't figure it out. Babies in cots don't feel limited by the cot. They feel comforted. And in exactly the same way, our children need direction. They need boundaries. They need guidance. They need rhythms. They need habits. They need, they need all those routines, which we take so much comfort from. There's a a quote I love by a guy called Frederick Douglass, and he was a social American reformer. And he said uh, said this, it's easier to build strong children than repair broken men, which is like hard hitting. Raise up your kids. With what? With truth. Raise them with biblical truth. You don't just let them pick and decide what they're going to do, how they're going to do it and where they're going to do it. If you want to ruin your family, just do that. You might say, well, Dave, you sound pretty confident. Well, yeah, 13 years building church. I've I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I've seen it so often. Let's commit to building up and raising up strong children. Number three, you want to fail your family and sabotage your life? Play the blame game. Make excuses and rationalize your actions. Play the blame game. Just, just like, don't take responsibility for your actions. It's not about you. It's, it's, it, blame your spouse, blame your kids, blame your parents. It's the way they raised you. Just, just blame, blame someone else. It's not, it's not your fault. Blame God. It's, it's on him. It's not on you. He did it. Everyone else, everyone else blames God. Why shouldn't you blame God? Whatever you do, do not take responsibility for your actions. If you want to fail your family, and sabotage your life, do not take responsibility for anything. At work, it's never your fault. It's always your boss. It's always your colleague. It's always the system. They keep changing that system. I just can't get used to this system. It's always something else. In this world, someone's always after you. Someone's always having a go at you. Someone's always trying to oppress you. Just just make it all about someone else. Don't, Don't take any responsibility for your own actions. In your own home, blame your spouse. Blame your kids, blame your parents, blame the dog. I don't care. Find someone to blame for something, but just whatever you do, do not take responsibility for your own actions. Let me give you another example of this further on than the blame game. Um, If you want to fail your family and sabotage your life beyond playing the blame game, 
and not taking responsibility would be to play the I'm not happy card. I'm not happy. Doesn't God want me to be happy? This is what makes me happy. I deserve to be happy. So, so if I'm not happy, this is what I want to do because that's what makes me happy. They shouldn't have acted like that. If they hadn't have acted like that, then I wouldn't have responded like that. So shouldn't I be happy? And I've also heard, um, you ever heard anyone say this? Um, I've already made too many parenting mistakes. Like, why would my kids listen to me now? Like, oh, that ship sailed. I've just made far too many mistakes. You need to know that's a lie, right? Like, that, that is a total lie from the devil, and it's not to be believed. You have never made too many mistakes. Some of you have come along to church, and you've started a relationship with Jesus, and for that, we all celebrate. We, we, we love that. But you've come along to church and you've started a relationship with Jesus and some of this stuff is like new news. It's new information to you. But you've got children who are young or they're in school and you might say, well, yeah, but that ship sailed. Well, how can God possibly like rebuild the years? Let me tell you this, his grace is always sufficient. His grace will cover and fix your family. And there might be a process that you need to go through and there might be some things that you need to let work out and some consequences that you've got to deal with. But his grace is always sufficient because we all believe in a God that can save us from our sins. This is exactly the same. It's something called supernatural. It means it doesn't make any sense to you and it doesn't make any sense to me, but it's just the way God works. If you want to fail your life and sabotage your family, don't go to God for forgiveness. Like, just, just don't go there because... because Never go to him about your past mistakes. Never go to him about your past issues. Never, never ever go to God about anything that happened in your past. Just completely leave God alone because God doesn't care about you. God doesn't care about your world. If God cared about you, you wouldn't have been born into your family. If God cared about you, you wouldn't have gone through what you went through. If God cared about you, you wouldn't be where you are in life. It's his fault. It's his fault that, he, that all this stuff's happened to you. So don't take responsibility for any of the bad things in your life, just only the good things. You know, I used to know a plasterer a long time ago. There was this guy and he did some work for me in my house and um, years and years ago. And when I would go around the house and I would start to sort of inspect some of his work and maybe snag some of his work and I'd be like, hey, so tell me, I won't mention his name, careful, Dave. And uh, I just said, like, what, can we get this area here just like a little bit tighter? Is there anything we can do just here? And he'd go, well, it's a bad batch of plaster, that, you know, it's a bad bag. You know, it's not really much I can do with that. And then I'd go, but I love this bit here, like this bit, the way you've done that, that is so sharp. He'd go, well, that's because I'm that good. And it was like, bro, it's the same plaster. It came from the same place. It's like he wasn't willing to take responsibility for anything that was the plaster. But for everything that was great, he was like, that, that's all me. He, he, he just would not take responsibility for anything that didn't go well. If you want to sabotage your life and fail your family, just take credit for the good and for the bad. That's all someone else. That's all on them. It's not on you. Only the good stuff is on you. Believe it or not, the Bible actually has something to say about this too, about past mistakes, the failures in your past. Listen to this. 1 John 
1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, we don't play the blame game. We don't try and slope his shoulder off onto someone else or blame the bag of plaster. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Which means if I will go to God and I will own my own mess and I'll humble myself and I will say to him, I've made some mistakes and I need you to forgive me. He's faithful, which means he'll do it every single time. He's just, which means he's got the power and the ability to do it and cleanse me from my sins and everything else that puts distance between me and him. All I've got to do is ask, you might say. That's all I've got to do. That's all you've got to do. It's that simple. Maybe today you're here and you would say of yourself, I I am far from God. Today, the reality of my life is I'm far from him. Because we've all heard the old saying, like if you were to turn up to the gate to heaven right now and you were to be stood in front of God and God's going to you, why should I let you in? You don't know what you'd say. You You just don't know what you'd say. And maybe you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's you today. And either way is fine, whether you do or whether you don't. There's no judgment. You're just at where you're at. First John 1 John 1.9 just told us, if you'll simply say, Jesus, I've got all this stuff wrong. I've done all this stuff. I've done this and I've done that. And it's all racing through my head. I need you to forgive me. I need you to take it away. I believe that you can. And I believe that you will. And I need you to forgive me and come into my life then the Bible says he'll do it. And it's that simple. And all you need to do is ask. And that's for past sins and past mistakes. For future help, Isaiah 40, verse 29 to 31. This is for everyone else. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow strong and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will walk and not grow weary. They will run and not grow faint. Because we all make mistakes. We all go left when we should go right. We all make the wrong choices. And none of us are perfect. We're all the same. We're all human. We're all just real, normal people. But when I'm tired and I'm weary, and I don't care how long you've been walking with God, we're all the same in this. When we feel tired and we feel weary, he won't let you stumble and he won't let you fall and you'll walk out this life and you won't fall to one side and you won't grow faint and you won't fail and you won't, you won't falter because if you lean on him, his word tells us he will give you strength to fly on wings like eagles. So what have you got to do? Stop playing the blame game. I worked out a long time ago. I may not have made the mess, but I need to sort it out. I need to work it all out. I just need to make it all go away and make it right. And I bet you I contribute to more messes than I'm willing to take on, that I'm willing to know about. But that's what God's grace is for. And it's not fair, but fairness is a myth. When I would think to myself, well, that's not fair that I should have to sort that out. 
fairness never existed. After the Garden of Eden, fairness is gone. No one ever says in the Bible, God never said life is going to be fair. Because look at it this way. One person could live for God and they could love other people and they could go through their whole life serving him. They get a cancer diagnosis and they die. Another person could neglect their body. They could do everything wrong. They could live a bad moral life. They could do whatever they want and they live. How's that fair? That's not fair. No one ever said life's going to be fair, but if you stop for a minute and just think, it isn't fair that God should take away our sin. It's not fair that he should send his only son to die on a cross for me because I don't deserve another man to die for me, much less it be the son of God. I don't deserve that. But oh man, am I thankful. I am so thankful. In my life, I had a debt that I couldn't pay, but he paid a debt that he never owed. Like, I just couldn't make it right, but he just paid for everyone. (laughs) And I'm so grateful. So if you want to sabotage your life and fail your family, neglect your marriage, let your kids lead themselves and do whatever they want to do, and make excuses and rationalise your actions, play the blame game. But if you don't want to sabotage your life and you don't want to fail your family, tend to your marriage. How is your marriage today? How, How is your home life today? How do you take care of yourself? How do you take care of your home? How do you look after the atmosphere there? How do you take care of your own life? If you don't want to sabotage your life and fail your family, lead your children. Don't just let them figure it out for themselves. It's not the easy way. It's far easier said than done. It's, It's really not the easy road, but it's truth. If you don't want to sabotage your life and fail your family, then own your own actions. You are where you are in life as a sum total of your decisions to this point of your life. Same way with me. Own your own actions and don't try and put responsibility onto other people. If you don't want to sabotage your life, go to God for wisdom about what to do in all situations. Put him first, trust him first, worship him first. So in just a minute, the band are going to come and they're going to sing once more to us. And we're going to worship again. But just for a moment, just while we pray, just evaluate your marriage, your children, your family, yourself. Reflect and make a decision today because every single change in life starts with a decision. Time's gone. I'd love to just pray with us so if we could all just stand and we can just reflect on those things I'm going to pray and then the band are going to come and they're going to lead us in worship Heavenly Father today God we've spoken about truth God we've spoken about your your ever present help to all of our needs whether they're in our family whether they're with our children whether they're in our marriages or whether it's going on in our own hearts But God, I pray you will be our guide. I pray that there are those in this room who will be searching for you right now to come and rescue a situation that seems as if it could not get any worse and seems as if it could get no better. But God, that you will show up in a majorly powerful way in their life 
God, and that you will make their path straight. As it says in Isaiah 40, God, that you will give them strength to rise up and fly like eagles where they just have no more strength. And God, we ask that you will heal our families and heal our marriages and heal our own emotional state that we'll be able to own up and stand up for our own choices. God, and we ask it all in the precious name of your son, Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're like, well, yeah, this all sounds pretty good and this all sounds pretty cool, but I don't even know Jesus. Like I would say I'm one of those people who are far from him. Well, if that's you, I'm gonna pray one more real super short prayer. The band are gonna come and we're gonna, and we're gonna worship some more. But you know, while I pray this prayer, if that's you, just pray this prayer in your heart after me. And Jesus will be faithful to his word and he will come and he will make his home inside your heart. That thing you're feeling right now in your chest, that's him drawing you home. So if that's you, just pray this prayer after me and he'll do every other thing needed. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, Heavenly Father, <clears throat> I've heard what it says in 1 John 1, 9, God, and I wanna let you know that God, in my life, I've done stuff wrong. I've done this and I've done that. You fill in the blank. But God, I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want you to forgive me for the things that I've got wrong. I want you to wash it away. God, I want you to come and live in my life. I acknowledge that you are God and I wanna live for you now all the days of my life. Come and make your home in me, I ask in the name of Jesus and everyone in Liverpool One Church said, Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.